It could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night. Players probably feel it's time that maybe some of their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development programme that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members and uh, that excites me a whole bunch. Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're the centre of everything that we do. You're very welcome along to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association. I'm Kieran McSweeney and I'm joined by my co-host Colm Begley, the Leash Footballer. Colm, um, how are things with yourself? Uh, not too bad, Kieran. Um, I'm, I'm struggling a bit today, pain-wise, because we had our first championship match last night. Uh, we obviously had that small little um, uh, lockdown, me lockdown, to push back our first round. So we were unfortunate to lose by three points against Mount Aronson, but um, we've, we've never chance at it. We have a round-robin system as well, so... A little bit down the dumps, a little bit sore, but looking forward to this conversation with the guys now. Two greats of the game. What was it like to be back out playing um, at a championship match? Uh, it was, look, to be honest, there was no crowd there, but like I said before, we were just so eager to get out. We've been training this for such a long time. It was supposed to be two weeks ago, and we pushed back an hour, two weeks. Middle middle of the week, too, was a strange thing, but it was it was good to get back out there. Um both sides were on their feet at the end of it, or off their feet at the end of it more so. Um, so you can tell a difference in championship pace from the practice games we played earlier on in the, in the year. Like so, it's um, it's great. Look, it's a pity there's no crowd there, but it was good to get back out. Um, unfortunately, to get a win, it. But again, we have another game now in a few weeks, which is good. And I say, look, where we we have um two greats of Gaelic football to talk to on the players' voice in this episode. Um, this would have been All Ireland football final weekend, and we wanted to to mark that the the fact obviously we can, we can't have an All Ireland football final this weekend. We're hopefully we'll have one in December, but the the GPA would have been marking the occasion with a legends lunch on the Saturday and, and on the eve of the All Ireland final. With um, and we would have been remembering teams from back through the years: the Kerry team from nineteen seventy, Kerry again in nineteen eighty All Ireland winners, the Cork football team, and the hurling team of uh, uh who won the the double. In 1990, but we would have been concentrating on football on, on this occasion. Uh, the Kerry team again in the year 2000 and Cork in 2010. So as, as it happens, teams from three teams from Kerry, two teams from Cork um, would have been honoured. We can't do that um, this Saturday and we can't have our Legends lunch. But we did want to mark it in the same way we marked the uh, the hurling All-Ireland um, final weekend when we were talking to DJ Kerry and Joe Condy a couple of weeks back. Um Again, Colm, important to remember those teams of the past. And I have huge memories of the Cork team in 1990. And that Cork team will always stand out as as my favourite Gaelic football team. Because as a Cork man, they were the team that I grew up with. Um, and they were successful as well, which is, hasn't always been the case for Cork football teams. But you have the, the Kerry connection there yourself. So so um, you'll have good memories of, of Kerry teams from the past. Uh, well, I do and I don't, I suppose. I can, I can barely remember last year and I remind that long back. But my dad, <laughs> my dad obviously from Kerry, um, from Dingle. So and we, we did watch a lot of Kerry games um, and some, some massive feats. And you look how successful they were. Like It's amazing how successful they've been over the last... You know, 50, 50 years, 40 years, like it's crazy to think of it, but 
Um, there was there was a, a real kind of good connection in our house. We often would have been down there for games too in Dingle, where my dad's from, uh, down in our grandparents' house. But, you know, I actually think back at 2010, that the Cork team then as well, kind of looking at them, that team and going, is there a shift in Cork? Have they found the, have they found the click, you know, that's kind of going to bring them along and have they overturned Kerry in that sense. But that rivalry is so huge. It, it just goes back and forth and Kerry is never done. You know, Kerry will always be up there in my mind. Um, such fantastic players. So I'm really looking forward to talking to the lads and, and hearing from them about the rivalry and and those years because like these lads are two guys who, who you could say were ahead of their time um, or just game changers. Like I think there are such, such athletes in the way they had a mixture of athletic and, and skillful players. So they've got massive respect from all the teams they played against them. Looking forward to hearing what their experiences were and the thoughts are in the modern game. We'll be hearing from Jack O'Shea, the Kerry great, and Larry Tompkins, the Cork great, in just a couple of moments' time. The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all intercounty players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch, and supporting their development as people. Well, we're absolutely delighted to be joined on the line now by two men who know what All Ireland final, All Ireland football final day is all about: the great Jack O'Shea from Kerry and the great Larry Tompkins from Cork. Lads, thanks very much, first of all, for for joining us. Um, and um, to to begin with, just to ask you, you ask you both, and maybe Larry, starting with yourself, how are you? How are you coping with with lockdown? Obviously, it's a very strange time. Um, and something that we're all having to I suppose deal with uh, uh, and uh, and get through. But how is it treating yourself? Sure. Look, uh, I'm in the pub business. It's um, I suppose that trade is 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 affected seriously. Um, but look, you know, I'm back open four days a week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's unusual. It's probably a lot more work than um, actually there was there before. But you know, it's it's frustrating because of the fact like this. A lot of my clientele, or probably the mature clientele, they come in. The you know the the like probably come in having a few pints, talk about games, um, good old sporting pub. But I suppose with no like no real kind of live sports or crowds going to games, it's very frustrating for all these people. But um, look, it's 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 unusual times, and I suppose what we're all even a little bit <clears throat> frustrated with even more now is the announcement last week like this. You know, from 200 people outside going to games, now it's down to 15, which is, I find just crazy. Like, But look, we're up and running. I just feel sorry maybe for the players. Like, I know they're glad to get back playing, but she's like to play with, with, with no, no spectators. Like, it's just like uh, a lot of these matches are coming, just like um, training sessions really to look at. And uh, uh, very difficult. I, I don't know, like, if, if moving forward, and we'll probably talk about during the course of the conversation, um, just moving forward, looking at the inter-county scene later on. Like, uh, I don't know what Jack's view point on it, but like, it's um, it's going to be hard, like, for to to be playing the matches, like, and uh, no atmosphere and uh, just unusual, unusual. It's hard to hard to describe, but look, we're getting through it, and uh, every on my side of it here in the family, thank God, are all in good form and. And, and healthy and I suppose that's the most important thing and just Larry before I, I ask Jack the same question how he's getting on just in terms of as you say being a publican you're open four days a week but look it's it's it, it's been very very difficult for for that business and for the hospitality business but publicans in particular over the last little while and look we know that the restrictions are in place for good reasons and, and all of that but it, it's it has been uh, hugely difficult to, to, for, for that trade yeah, no doubt. Like I'm in the heart of Cork City here, and like, look, there's lots of great pubs here, and 
you know, I'm not like, you know, most of them are, are, are well kind of, they've done a lot of work to their pubs and their premises like to, to get open. And um, it's just frustrating because like, I can't understand like that, you know, we hear and we know of all these house parties that's going on at different things. Like, you know, surely like if the pubs were open, like people would have more places to go to. And as I said, like the business people like to do things right. Like, and, and, uh, for the small few that maybe get it wrong, uh, I think they should be penalised. But I think overall, when you look at all the the, the, the heart of the heart of Ireland is the, is the country areas, lads, and the, it, it's so distracting to see so many places closed. And uh, you know the the heartbreak of people to go out and, and just have a few drinks and 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 have a chat. Um, it's very disappointing. But uh, just to look at Cork City, like it's just you know it's it's it can be depressing, like walking around it, like and seeing so many places closed. Yeah, and, and look, hopefully when we get through this, hopefully as many businesses as, as possible, including the pubs, c- can reopen. But look, unfortunately, I'm sure there will be some who won't open their doors again and and you'd have to, you could feel nothing but sorry for, for, for those businesses. Um, Jack, yourself, how are you getting on and how are you coping with um, with life in true COVID-19? Yeah, it's been very strange, really, I suppose. Like Larry, you know, you kind of, your whole life is turned around and you're you're not able to do the things you were doing and all that sort of stuff. And uh I still work for myself. I'm a plumber, so I um, I was off for about ten or twelve weeks. I was uh, I'm what you call one of these essential workers, I suppose, which got me out on, on a few occasions on emergencies and stuff like that. But yeah. overall, I I suppose I got to do things that I I didn't get time to do up to that. I was shed out the back and I spent about three weeks inside and starting it out. So I I enjoyed that part of it and that. But uh, ah, strange times and uh, you know even. As a plumber, like going into houses, strange houses, and that it's a bit strange. You having to wear a mask and that kind of stuff, and um, life is totally different. But like, listen, as Larry said, once your families and all that are okay, and people like I have a daughter who got the COVID, and she's a nurse in the master, but she's she recovered very well. So um, you know you have to accept all the work that has been done all over the countries and that, and it's it's very hard on some people, and particularly like Larry with a business like that is very very difficult. But hopefully, there's better times to come, and we're looking forward to it. And just when you when you mention um your daughter there, Jack, I suppose that's the I suppose that's ultimately what all the res- the restrictions and the sacrifices people are making for is to ensure that the the frontline staff don't become overwhelmed by um by what they're 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 facing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, she she walks in the mouth now. She was, but she, she got the COVID. I think she was back working again after eight days. But that just shows you the kind of character of of those people as well, you know. So. Um, yeah, it's difficult for those people, but you know we have to respect them and uh, you know do the best we can to help them out. So you know we don't want this to kind of come back at us again, as, as you know it is it is it is widely spread all over the country again, which is a worrying aspect. You know, so I don't know where it's going to take us to, but you know we we all have to do our best and that. And those frontline workers do do um, you know they're vulnerable and that, but they're very very brave as well. You know. Yeah. Now, Colm, you may or uh, when Larry was talking there, Colm, he talked about the the games being played with uh with no crowds. You were out in um club championship action, um recently. Um, uh, what was it like, Colm, and 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 your take on playing in front of uh, no spectators? Yeah, I suppose initially it, it, that feeling of getting back playing probably overrides it. Um, that was our first championship match. We played a few practice games, but but even as Larry said, it's 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 kind of fallen from having more people at the game, some form of crowd, to basically no crowd at all now, um, which is difficult uh, and difficult for 
you know, as a player wanting the you, you see the people in the club in the local community who want to go to these games, and it was in in some way a big release for them um, to rebuild connection with communities to have something to kind of throw themselves into. So, from a player's point of view, we got over it for the game on, on our first night, but going forward, um, I can see it definitely taking away from the players' environment, from the occasion, uh, from the energy. Um, look. Players will go ahead with it and they'll react as by the best they can, but there's no doubt it's it's definitely a loss not only for the players or the spectators, um, but for the overall community. But it would be interesting to see Kieran um, down the line. You know, if if Intercounty goes ahead, which we're hoping it will, you know, you're obviously talking about a much bigger crowd and a much bigger energy in those games, um, and how that will affect you know players who have been even though they've been off and in inverted commas. You know, it's been a very long year to date and an up and down year about uncertainty whether it's going to go ahead or not. So the mental resilience of players will be tested a small bit in that in that way. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes. But look, I, I think, fingers crossed, you could see the restrictions being lifted somewhat for, for events and games. Like we were in a Moore Park last night. It's a massive stadium there. probably hold 10, 12,000 people. Um, with enough organisation and planning, you would imagine they could hold socially distance um, crowds in it um, and I can assure you the county board there are well enough organised to do it so that's why I hope we'll come down the line you know we can find a way around this to give not only the players but the spectators something to to buy into and engage with and you know support the, the game and support the people really Yeah in- interesting one um, Larry to know from yourself and, and, and from Jack as well just in terms of when you were going out playing um, Munster Championship games or All-Ireland semi-finals or All-Ireland final. How much were you aware of the the crowd, or how much of an influence did supporters have? And look, I know it's 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 a it's a, a big stretch from having say eighty thousand in Croke Park to having nobody in Croke Park watching a game. But what what was the impact of the crowd on on the team, Larry? Did they have a, an influence, or did they have an effect, or did you just blank them out anyway? No, Jesus, the crowd. <laughs> you 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 know the crowd. They they're so important like, because the lead up to these big games like as you know it gets the adrenaline going like it's um you know the monster finals are just I grew up with like listening to the old radio and 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 the great Kerry the great Kerry team like uh, when Jacko was on it like you know those guys were my idols and and I you know I was hoping someday maybe that I could get into that radio too you know what I mean but yeah. like. The atmosphere, like I was, I was so lucky, like because like the the occasions, like playing in Kerry, like uh, particularly like uh, Cork was brilliant, but like you know everybody loved going to Killarney, even though I suppose I came on a time like when you know Cork were very successful like, in Kerry, but you know Kerry were so dominant again Cork for so long, and uh, it didn't it didn't matter because Cork people travelled in in thousands down to Killarney, like and you know at that time they lost an awful lot of monster finals, but like the. Just the, the 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 excitement before Munster final, the the thrill of that weekend and the the meeting of people and you know it gets the blood uh, rising like and just when you arrive in Killarney or Park of Kiev or whatever like it's just it's a, it was just a magic magic occasion like and uh, you feed off the crowd like and you just they give you such a buzz and excitement and you meet so many great people like through the GA like and. And uh, you know their heart and soul in it, like for the likes of myself and and Jack O'Dare and Colin, like that has played it at, at, at this level. You know we have been the lucky ones, like to kind of go out there between the white lines and and be able to play for your county. And and uh, a lot of these people, like 
you know, weren't able to get to it, but w- would have wished to be out there as well. Like, and uh, you just feed off of that, uh, that energy and that excitement. And like, you know, I was so lucky, like, to 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 play in that great Kerry team, and you know, and and just to be part of such a wonderful occasions, like in in Munster finals, they were just they were just special, like. Well, I, well, I, I can vouch for just for myself. I'm certainly one of those people who would have loved to have been out there playing. But I can tell you, I knew very early doors that that was never going to happen as well. Yeah. Um, Jack, Jack, your own view in terms of the um, the influence of, of of the crowd and the the atmosphere they create, and 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 can they give a team a lift when it's needed? Yeah, I think that you know when you're young, your ambition is to play for your county, and. You, your ambition is because you see on television, you saw the big games that went before you, the Allianz went before, and you said, I want to get to that occasion. And the crowd, of course, are a huge part of it. And, you know, back in old times, it was great because you actually went into the game with the crowd. You didn't go in separately. You didn't go in in buses and that. You actually walked in with the supporters, with the spectators. And that was uplifting. And I've always said that, uh, you know, there's 30 players can walk behind the Artean Boys Band and all that on final day. And to be one of that 30 is so unique and so privileged. So, you use the crowd in that. I loved playing Crow Park. I loved walking behind the band. It was one of the things I look forward to. And I used the crowd to motivate me. And uh, I used them, you know, to, to inspire me in that. And, of course, they're a huge part of the game. And, you know, it's very difficult for county players or whatever to put in big effort and know there's going to be no supporters there because that's that's part of our life. That's part of our upbringing. So, you know, I think that... Um, the crowds are very, very essential and it's important that a player can use the crowd and use that motivation to motivate yourself. Well, well, hopefully in the in the coming weeks uh, and months, we, we will be able to see the, some of the restrictions lifted at least and, and some people getting in to, to, to see those games and, uh, and, and hopefully we will see an inter, inter-county championship and the completion of the club championships. Jack and Larry, we wanted to have you on this weekend in particular because of the fact it would have been the All Ireland fi- football final on Sunday. Um, obviously, that can't happen this year, and and hopefully we'll have an All Ireland final to look forward to in December instead. All going to plan, but the GPA would have been honouring um, teams who had won All Irelands in the past um, on on this Saturday in advance of the All Ireland final on Sunday, and we would have been looking back at the the Kerry team from 1970, the Kerry team in 1980 that you were part of, Jack. Mm-hmm. The Cork team from 1990, Larry, obviously the, the 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 double winning year. The Kerry team again in 2000 and Cork, um, for, uh, captained by Graham Canty in 2010 as well. Um, Jack, I'll start with yourself, but just in terms of 1980 uh, and that year, um, Kerry, at, at three in a row, completed um, as part of that, that team that won four in a row. Um, and you yourself, you picked up the Texaco Footballer of the Year, if I'm, I'm right, in that year, um, beating Ross Common in the All-Ireland Final. Your memories of that year in 1980, John? Well, Kieran, you put me to the test now. It's 40 years ago. <laughs> a, long time, a long time ago. Um, I suppose it was, I suppose it was a contest was probably one of the poorest finals that we had because um, it, wasn't, it was a very, very bad day. Um, Crow Park, I think the pitch in Crow Park was nearly at the end of his day at that time. The ground was very, very heavy, very windy. I suppose it's the kind of day you you don't want for an All Ireland final, really. And uh, but it so happened you have to go up and play it on a wet day. It was a very low-scoring game, very physical battle. Um, you know, I think there's one we we were lucky to get away with. Really, we didn't play really well. Uh, of course, we lost Bomber on the Friday night. Um, he got appendix or something, and then uh, Powery went off at half time. He got a hamstring or something like that. 
I don't know about hamstrings, Mary. Do you have any hamstrings in your team? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a very low-scoring game, very dour affair. I think Ross Cowan probably made a mistake. They kind of, I think they tried to manhandle a few of our players a bit much and they gave away a lot of frees. Um, they also missed an awful lot of frees in that game because they got a fantastic start. I think um, Tony Manis got a lovely turn and John O'Keefe and got the ball in and passed it across to Jigger and Jigger tapped it into the goal. So they had a goal up after a few minutes. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better start than all in the final. But uh, we had to kind of hold our head together. It was one of those games you have to dig it out, you know. And, um, you know, those players you look for in, in occasions like that with heavy conditions, tough going, strong wind. And uh, we were looking to survive in that. Um, and I know it was very low scoring, but, you know, at the end of the day, getting the results is the main thing. But I think this is one to Ross Common probably less slip rather than we win, you know. Yeah, as you say, a low-scoring game. I think one nine to one six it finished That's up. Right, Ross yeah. Common, Ross Common had a goal after like thirty-five or forty seconds. As you say, um, they went five points up. Um, one of the features I was looking back at, and as you say, not the greatest game in the world, Jack. But I was looking back at the highlights on uh, on YouTube yesterday, mm. um, and, and to be fair, the highlights were quite short. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to lie, yeah. but um, but um, that early goal, but. As you say, the, the way you responded and and Mikey Sheehy getting a goal to bring you right back into it. One of the notable features for for I suppose people watching back now, the two goals that were scored were hand pass goals, which you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do now. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do now. I suppose we we I suppose we maximised that to the limit uh, when we were playing. That you know it is very very difficult for a, if you get in the goalkeeper and you had a chance. You had four options of putting the ball in the net. You had your two hands and your two feet, which was was a huge plus at that time. And uh, Mikey was a specialist at that. He was very, very hard to, to figure out what he was going to do when he was coming one on one on the goalkeeper and that. But uh, yeah, it was just part of the game at that time, I suppose, as, as we all know, like keeping possession is the main thing. So if you can get the ball into that danger area as quick as you can and you have you have your possession, you have four options of getting it into the net, your hand is probably more more than likely more accurate than your feet. And uh, he used that. Mikey, Mikey, Mikey got some a, a huge amount of goals, I'd say, with his hand over the time, you know. Yeah, and, and look, you got yourselves back into that game. You got yourselves ahead. Ross Common got it back and got it level. And as you say, there, there was a, a number of missed chances, especially in the second half. They missed goal chances as well. Uh, and Charlie Nelgan pulled off one great save as well. That's right. And and once, it, But they got it back to 1-6 apiece. And then you stepped up and you kicked the ball over the bar. Um, and we have some of that audio. And Michal O'Hare's commentary from that point, um, just to listen to now. Mikey Sheehy. Jack O'Shea and Kerry Lee's again this Jack O'Shea sends that one over a passing movement and Jack finishing it Actually, Joe, Joe Kahan said that to me after the match, the selector. He said, that's the point that won us the game. It was, it was a vital score because the game was knit and tuck at the time. And uh, I think Pat Spillane had, had the ball. For once, he passed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had much option. You know, it's like with Larry, whatever, myself. If you got him in top 25 yards, you had a chance of having the pot. You were confident enough to have a go for it. And it was, it was a very strong wind. I mean, we were playing it in the second half and that. So you kind of have to commit to a kick. Uh, particularly when the ground is soft and that sort of stuff, so it worked out. I suppose it's vital at that stage. Yeah, and as you say, ran, ran out one nine to one six winners, um, and that was a three a three in a row completed. But what did it mean to the team at that stage? That was a great team to be part of. You know, we we great years like the team was well established at that stage, and I think that um, I, I think if I remember right, Kerry, I think only used one sub 
ever in any match. They never used anything more than one sub in all that three or four in a row. So it was a unique bunch of players. Um, you know, it, it was probably the same 15 nearly started and finished. There was one or two places the cornerbacks used, they might have switched or whatever, but like, generally the team ha- held its own and it held its shape all the time. And uh, they were unique to be a part of. They were uh, not privileged to train with, to play with. And you know, when you're on a roll like that, you don't. I suppose you don't think about defeats. You just you 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 get into your head. The, the winning aspect in your brain keeps you going and keeps you fighting. And uh, I think all of our players had that. So just a unique bunch of players. I think that uh, like the All Irelands were, were counting up as they were going along, but it was just every game was special to play in with those fellas. So it didn't matter what it was that uh, you know we had we had a unique a unique team and uh, over a unique period of time, you know. And and just before I move on to Larry, can I just ask you one more question, Jack? And I heard um, Paul early on with the guys in News Talk during the week, and, and he was talking about um, the, the, the late, great Dermot Early. And Dermot Early obviously played in that All-Ireland final in 1984, as common. Talk, could you talk to us, Jack, about how good a player he was? Because he's great, often referred to as the greatest player never to have won an All-Ireland. Yeah, he was a very powerful player. He was a, f- a phenomenally strong man, uh, you know, well-built um, very very robust, but he'd, uh, he's he he's um, I suppose he just he, he was a winner really, and he was a real competitive person, competitive player. Um, he was uh, very genuine, very clean, um, but always you know very very determined. And I think he 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 emphasised you know what good footballers are like that. He just wanted to go out and play the game. Uh, lovely man to meet off the pitch as well. Of course, I played against him at club level as well in Kildare with uh, when he was yeah. playing with Sarsfields. <clears throat> and um, he was a unique person. He was kind of a person of a lifetime, really. And uh, his heart was in the right place when he came to. He was a Ross Cameron man, true and true. And I suppose, as you said, he was probably one of the greatest players that never did win an All Ireland. Now, Larry, we'll we'll fast forward ten years to nineteen ninety. Now, now I have, um, and this is a really personal memory. So, so Larry, you talked about there um, when you were answering a question earlier about wanting to be and hearing the teams, the great Kerry teams and hearing their names on the radio and, and wanting, aspiring to be one of those players who was talked about on the radio. I remember when we were young, we used to go down to Garrettstown outside of, um, of Kinsale down in, in West Cork on our holidays. And it was inevitably the Munster final was happening around that time. And we would listen to the radio on the beach um, in the afternoon and at that time, I was convinced Cork always beat Kerry in Munster finals because we had the upper hand on them at that stage. Unfortunately, it didn't say it doesn't say that way all the time. But I was convinced that Cork always beat Kerry, and that was what I remember. You'd be down on the on on Garrettstown Beach listening to the Munster final, Cork beating Kerry, and you'd go for a bag of potatoes and a can of Coakley's Hotel that night then to watch the Munster final highlights. Um, to 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 move from that stage, Larry, where you're aspiring to 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 get there, to being one of those stars taking center stage on the pitch, obviously is great. But to be part of that Cork team that did break the Kerry dominance, even if it was just for a a short enough period of time. Yeah, sure. Look, um, you know, Kerry or Kerry or Kerry, and it's it's always a massive occasion to play against them because, you know, they're traditionally like you know, no matter what county. Gives you the best satisfaction. We can go out and play well again, Kerry. Well, then you you know you've you've reached somewhere. So like, you know, it was always a, a massive ambition to me to to just 
just to be able to compete again them and even play in Kildare initially like you know I used to play Kerry a good bit in national league matches and you know they 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 would learn you they they would teach you the trade and and see where you you needed to improve and look and then to just you know to really play in the big days then when I just happened to arrive in Cork and uh, played them as I said earlier in Munster finals were 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 real special days like and. Uh, you know, growing up and 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 Jacko like would have been a a massive hero of mine, and a lot of those Kerry lads that I became very friendly with the bomber and Ogie and all those fellas, like just then to be out there, you know, playing against them and 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 one occasion I must find Mark and Jacko and, you know, that to me like was 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 really really special and, um, you know, moving forward I suppose you're talking about 1990, it's 30 years this year and and. Um, you know, you'd say to yourself, where, where, where's time gone? But it was just a special year for Cork. Like, it was just, you know, achieving the double, like, was was, was magic. And it's amazing how that year went because uh, I think, you know, me and Narcy were, they were, they were enemies. They were, they were a team like that we felt in, in 87. They were the better team, the best in the All-Ireland final. 88, and we felt we were way the better team, and 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 uh, we should have won that. We went to a replay, and the replay was uh, just one of those games like it was just undesirable. It was just fights every five minutes, and uh, but we felt like that was another final that we threw away, like you know. And I suppose it was the first time really that Cork measure measured really up to the to the rigorous physicality and started to grow as men, like as a team. And uh, I suppose it was always an itch there that. Winning the All Ireland final in '89 and winning the National League was magic, but uh, we were just we had unfinished business, and that was me. Like, and uh, we just prayed so much that we'd meet them hopefully in the All Ireland final in 1990. And and I think the tone was set in the Easter Sunday of 1990. We played them in the league semi final, and it turned out a, a, a real nasty affair like and uh, there could have been over 40,000 people at, in, in the league semi-final in Crow Park and there was a lot of aggro and there was a lot of you know a lot of, a lot of hard knocks that was taken and Mead again beat us on that day and uh, I just remember in the dressing room like this how mad we were and uh, what was after happening and uh, I think we just prayed to God Almighty that both of us come September that we'd be in the other and final Champions Cork getting the honour, led by Larry Tompkins, and Hill 16 belongs to the Cork fans this afternoon as Cork play in their fourth successive final, seeking to complete the All Ireland double, hurling and in football. Larry, I was reading Adrian Russell's book, The Double, which looked back on Cork's um, hurling and football Ireland wins in 1990 um, last year, and what was really seeping through from the pages on, in terms of all the people he spoke to around the Cork football panel was that desire and that real need to to meet me in an All-Ireland final. And it's coming through from yourself again here. Yeah, like, look, uh, when a team has probably the upper hand in a, a few finals, and I suppose there was, uh, there was a lot of tension there between both teams for a good few years. And in fairness to me and Cork, they were the two dominant teams. And, um, you know, we we were... We were looking forward to playing Mead. We had to we had to beat them in a major match, and um, like thanks for the God, it happened in nineteen ninety. Like it was, uh, it, it was one of those days. Like that, uh, I think going into the final, I think that the whole team was so focused and so ready, and and uh, I think everybody went out there and just 
you know, realised like how important that game was to really prove ourselves as a team. Um, and uh, I think that uh, even uh, alone for the fact like that Colin O'Neill got sent off and uh, we were we were down to fourteen men. Uh, it's just amazing like that um, inside in the dressing room. Even I don't think even the players knew that Colin was sent off. So it was just it was just a massive kind of a day. Probably wasn't the greatest day I learned final of all times as regards uh, viewing, but. Detention from from start to finish was 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 incredible. Yeah, um, as you say, not again, not the greatest game in the world, but uh, look, as as a as a Cork man and a Cork supporter, certainly one of the greatest days great games in the world. Yeah. In my yeah. Eleven eleven points to nine. You guys had got off to a good start, had built up a a couple of, or I think you were three or four points ahead. Then mm. there was the the sending off, um, and and Mead cut it back down to just a solitary point, um, by half time. Um, he went out in the second half and, and Shea Fahey, I remember in particular, was really dominant in that second half. Talk to us about the dressing room at halftime. When you are down to 14 men, you're playing who the team that were your biggest rival at that stage. What, what was the, the mood like and what was the, what was the talk like in the dressing room at halftime? It's amazing because we went in and uh, this is hard to believe. Like We went in, I don't think anyone sat on the, on the seats because, and I don't think anyone like, uh, contrary to moving on a few years in 93 when Tony Davis just got sent off again, Derry in the honour and final, everybody was over consoling him. Like, and uh, you know, there was still a half, there was still 35 minutes left in the honour and final that day. And you kind of sensed in 93 that the game was gone, but 1990 was completely different. Like, it was just guys came in, Colin had been sent off. I don't think anybody kind of knew, realised that he was sent off. It was a case of we were a point up, we've 35 minutes to go, we want to get the job done. And nobody sat on the nobody sat on the seats, and uh, mad to get up and get on and get out again and finish the job. And and uh, I just think it was just uh, you know to win certain All Irelands. And Jack talked about Roscommon. You know you have to be uh, that resilient uh, team to be able to withstand kind of the 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 Mead onslaught. Mead were always the team that came hard in the last ten minutes like this. I think they just looked up at the clock and it was kind of like a conveyor belt coming at you that were just, they were never beaten. Like, and um, I think that day our backs was just super. Like, you know what I mean? All our backs were outstanding that day. Uh, the Lord of Mercy of John Cairns was outstanding in goal. He made a great save, he smothered a Brian Stafford shot near the end. Uh, and of course, then our midfield, like, uh, Shea was outstanding. He, he kicked four magnificent points that day. You know, I'd be always slagging Shea because I grew up with him in, in, in Kildare and playing football with him in Kildare since I was 16. So I, I think it was the first time ever he scored four points from playing his life, I think. But it, it was the right day to do it. It's straight back out into the arms of a cork man again. This time it's Shea Fahey. Defiantly driven it back in and he's put it over the bar. He's got three points in the match. It was just, I think that day kind of signalled that you know, this was a serious Cork team and, you know, it was a serious me team as well. Like, and uh, I just feel maybe at that time, like that, if if either of those teams, if one of those teams arrived at that time, I think, that, you know, they could have won four or five other ends like, because there were, there were such dominant players there on both sides and uh, such such great players. Like, there were, there were, there were massive clashes, like, and, and uh, but it was a game that we had to win, like, and, and uh, if we didn't win that, the Allern final the year before in '89 would have been certainly diminished, and I think it would have been looked upon as the players too, like that. Okay, we won All Ireland, but 
you know, uh, we wouldn't have been deemed to be anything special enough. Yeah, and, and I suppose there was so much, I suppose, riding on that result from a outlook. I suppose you as a team, you're concentrating on winning an All Ireland, but there was so much outside of it as well. Look, Cork obviously going for a double. You had Teddy McCarthy, who had started the All Ireland hurling final. He was going for two All Ireland medals on the field of play. Dennis Walsh was obviously involved with the the two squads as as well. There was so much going on around it, and there was so much talk about this this double in the build up to it. Did that get in on you in any way, shape, or form, or was it easy to block block yeah. out in any way? Well, I tell you, Kieran, people always ask that question, like, and and you know, it's it's it's, it's naturally it's, it's the the most realistic uh, question to ask, but it's amazing. Like, we we never thought of it that way. Like, I think just if it had been any other opposition in the final, maybe there might have been that kind of a, a, an inkling there of, of of what you're saying. But play, playing Mead, that was the biggest thing that we wanted. Like, and you know, we had to win, and our focus was completely on that game. And what was went before two weeks before that it didn't make any, and uh, we just wanted to get out there and prove that you know we could beat Mead like when it really mattered because we just felt like that. Uh, going back to '88, like we 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 felt we were so much a better team than them that we we didn't win the Hallerant. Just on, just on that, Larry, with the point about Mead, like and, and Jack, just to be the same to you, I'd say Jack as well, but like. The importance of a rivalry, of a really strong rivalry, like you know, if you imagine what players why they play and and, and the the reward they get from an All Ireland final win is massive. But you mentioned there about you know beating Mead, they like, could have added an, an extra thing to it because you knew they had gotten they gotten top even in previous games, and and if you didn't have Mead in the final, it would have been a negative, even though it could have been an easier opposition, but. I think um, would you have noticed that over the years how how a rivalry and, and Jack same to you would have brought the team to a different level or, or, or was it definitely a tool to use for the group yeah. over the year? I think that um, Larry's point there with me and Cork, there was a huge rivalry. It was similar with us with uh, Dublin and Kerry in the yeah. 70s. That's a huge meeting. <clears throat> there was nearly two teams really were dominating football over those periods. You'd meet in Cork in, the, in we'd say from 87 to 90. You'd carry in Dublin back in the late 70s. And there's huge rivalry there. As Larry says, no matter what happens in the game, it's not going to interfere with you mentally yourself. And you have to be strong enough to take that. And like, I believe when he said that a lot of lads might have known he was, Colin O'Neill was sent off. Because you, you have to focus your own mind on the game. And you're totally involved in that rivalry with the opposition that you're going to do anything to get the better of them. And, you know, both teams could, could beat each other. And they knew that. And it was all down to the day, the attitude, and what, what people were going to do on the day. Yeah, I I think that you know it's like playing in a in a in a local derby, even a club match. It can really get the best out of you. And I remember ninety four, nineteen ninety four, we played a county final here, uh, Castle Avon, would be my club now, and we'd be a very small club, but you know, country club, uh, massive heart. Uh, we're playing again at Dunham and Russell, which would be Scribberian, they'd be the big town, which would be only uh, two miles away from us, and. Uh, amazing, like uh, it was a few days before that final. Uh, went out to see uh, Mike McGuire's mother, like Nora McGuire, she was a great follower of the game. And Nora used to go in shopping into Skibbereen, it'd be only as I said, two miles away. But the next place you'd have to go shopping would be Clanny Kilty, which would be about uh, over 20 miles. And um, I, I just was saying to her before, the a few days beforehand, 
I said, how are you feeling? Uh, you be nervous about every game? And she just turned around to me and she said, do you know, she said, if we don't win this match, I'll have to go shopping in Clannock Kilty. So, <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the source of rivalry, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, it, it was the biggest county final, you know, attendance-wise. Like the first, uh, Frank Murphy was delighted and went to a draw. It was amazing to think, like, nearly 29,000 people there the first day. And uh, second day, 33, over 33,000 people. Like, it was incredible, you know? But thanks for the God and we, 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 we won... We won the replay, and she still she still was able to shop in in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Free shopping, <laughs> Free shopping. Yeah. But the, I, I don't think the lights are coming in because she was well able to rub it into the men at that stage. You know? <laughs> I just say make a point there about Larry, and uh, you know I think I've often said I don't think Cork would have ever won in Ireland if Larry Tompkins and Shea Fahey hadn't come to Cork because I think they they brought. Larry brought an unbelievable um, attitude to the Cork team. He changed their attitude, I felt, completely. And, uh, you know, his skill on the field, his, his, his attitude towards playing football was, was immense. And I think Shea as well was a huge plus for Cork. There were two players that Cork didn't really have. And I think that, that the two lads, when they came in, that uh, they galvanised the team and they got the, the lads thinking the right way. And I think that's, to me, I think that's why Cork won, won the All-Irelands. Well, uh, I, I, thanks, Jacko. But I think, I, I think, I think I learned enough. <laughs> a lot of cop people won't like me saying that now, but that's my thought. I, I think I learned an awful lot from yourself. Like, geez, <laughs> I, my, my admiration from all those players in Kerry and particularly yourself was, yeah. uh, was, was incredible. You know what I mean? So yeah, but like the two of your influence in the cop team was huge at the time. There was you were two type of players they didn't have, yeah. and particularly you with the free taking and that, and uh, yeah. that was essential to to Cork. I felt at that time. But you know what? I think you know Cork, as you know, Jack. Like they, they possess incredible talent. Like and oh, fabulous footballers. Yeah, yeah, I always had. But like, I just felt like that they just probably lacked that. You know that that desire or development or. Well, we always felt like that they were probably the second best team in the country in the seventies, nearly after us, because yeah, yeah. they only really got one chance at us every year. You know. Yeah, if, yeah. If there had been back doors, and then I've no doubt you'd seen Cork in a lot more than that. fans. It's fabulous footballs over the years. Fabulous. But you know what? Had... But you know what? That time, Jack, I'd say they just they didn't believe they could beat you, like deep down. You know what I mean? And and well, I I think one of the reasons was that they did they, you know they didn't do much in the league either, so yeah. they didn't have much preparation in it. And yeah. uh, you know they came against us when we were at our powers, you know. So yeah. they had, even in the years we beat them in the in the mid seventies, like Declan Barron and these fellas, they were phenomenal players. You know, they, one of my favourite players was Dave McCarthy. Ah, Dave, yeah, yeah. You know, they just didn't get the chance to develop. If they'd been, we'll say, if they had got a few successes over us, I've no doubt that they would have established. And it wasn't like when you came then, like you came to Cork and you were Shea, and uh, Cork had done very well as underage just before that. That's right. So right. you kind of galvanised the whole lot together, you know? Yeah. I know they're, they're look, they're, 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 they'll always have massive players, but you just feel at times like this, you know, certain players don't get the best out of themselves, you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah. It's just a pity, like because the, you you'd feel there's an awful lot more in them, uh, mm. Jack. You know what I mean? And and mm. like you go back even to the All Ireland final, the one in two thousand and ten. Like you would say to yourself, Jesus, like and and amazing, like that, that team when it really came to it, like they couldn't beat Kerry. Like I know mm. they beat them in a couple of Munster championships, but like they never beat. Amazing, like ninety five, and I played and it was the last time to beat Kerry in Killarney, like and that two thousand and ten team, like you know, they were. They had a very good panel of players, but for some reason they couldn't beat them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
I don't know what it was. It was just, and it's like going back to my point, like, of, of, you know, when there's, a, when there's an obstacle in front of you, like, you know, if you want to win something, you need to go to Canarney and beat Kerry, like, you know what I mean? And you need to, you need to beat them, particularly nowadays, like if you meet them up in Crow Park, like, and uh, Cork had no success against Kerry and Crow Park, like, so like, you know, they're the tests really of, of, of a team, how they're going and mm. it was like us in 1990 if we if we didn't beat Mead like sure like we, we, we'd be always deemed to be the team that okay is one in not Ireland but sure look at you couldn't beat the team that were down yeah, yeah. You know? You know? of course back in the 70s then of course most of the Cork top players were dual players as well yeah yeah, that, yeah. that helps in their way as well you know so, yeah, yeah yeah well hurling is a is a major issue and, and yeah, you, yeah. you you have an awful lot of you have an awful and you're dead right you have an awful lot of Good footballers like that, Nazi. You know that their first choice would be hurling because their mm-hmm. their club would be more oriented towards them, um, yeah. towards hurling, Jack. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. look, and uh, you'd be hoping like that with Cork at the moment, like that. Um, they have a lot of good young talent coming through. We'll just see how the uh, nurture. And I just think, to, I suppose the way the de- de- development is now, like, and is that you know guys need to be just brought in a bit earlier than waiting until they're twenty or twenty one because they lose mm-hmm. that two years. Uh, between you know, I think bringing them in at eighteen and try to development in the kind of the 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 the, the fitness and the, the and the, and the, you know the level of fitness that you need to require now, like it's a, it's kind of you know uh, it's a type of game now, like the way you have to be very mobile no matter what position you're playing in, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um it's important I think that Cork get a grasp of the young fellas a bit earlier and try to develop them earlier and try to get them when they're twenty twenty one then that they're really ready for. The, the the senior into county scene, you know, mm-hmm. you know, lads, you, you you both played under I suppose two of the the all time great managers as well, Jack yourself under the great McGoodware and Larry under Billy uh, Billy Morgan, who um um obviously legendary figure in in Cork GA circles and won All Ireland as a player in seventy three and obviously managed Cork to that uh, that All Ireland in nineteen ninety and and previously in in nineteen eighty nine. What did you guys take from the managers you played under? Yeah, I think if you put the two fellas together, um, you know, Billy Morgan and Mick O'Dwyer, they're, you know, football to the core, the two of them. And uh, they're two winners. Uh, they, they, they win at all costs or whatever, you know. I think Mick O'Dwyer's greatest attribute probably was his man management of players. Um, you know, tactically, like, we didn't have much tactics. We went out and we played the ball, and we played the ball to space, and that was it, and he used our, our skill and our speed. Uh, but it was his, the way that he could motivate us, the way that he could uh, uh, instill into us, you know, that everybody has to work as hard as everybody else. Like, he, he always kept saying, our defence begins at number 15, you know, as, as soon as we lose possession. So he instills that kind of thing into you. Then he was a kind of a rogue in, in, in a way that he could get around for us. Like, he trained fellas differently. He made fellas do different stuff, and he he, he gave we say extra stuff to extra fella, to some fellas and that kind of thing. So he was well able to man manage. He was well able to cajole fellas into getting the best out of them, and uh, he created a great atmosphere uh, amongst the lads as well. You know, there was a good banter and a good fun, and uh, he was a players' man. And I think Billy Morgan is very much the same. They'd be players' men, and uh, their players would be more important than anybody else. And Larry, your your thoughts on, on on Billy Morgan as a manager and what he brought to the whole setup? Well, I suppose when you're when you're when you're involved at the level, I suppose like that both Miko and and Billy, you know, coming in from giving massive service as a player, and then you know as as a manager, like you know their 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 passion and their their heart is 
you know what I mean? They're, they're just incredible. Like, and um, Billy was, as as Jacko said there, like was he loved Cork. He was so passionate about Cork. Like, and you know, he was naturally Kerry was a uh, was a major stumbling block at the time when 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 Billy was playing. Like, and you know, he would have lost an awful lot of times to Kerry. So, like, I suppose coming in then as manager and taking over the team then that that. Uh, that we had like it was a massive motivation for him. It was like you know winning the All Ireland when you you beat Kerry like and you know I remember one occasion we beat him uh, eighty seven. Uh, it was a replay. Um, we had drawn in in Parky Keeve and the replay was the following weekend in Killarney, and I suppose the first kind of breakthrough that the Cork really had in Killarney for a long time. And uh, I remember some we were staying in the Castle Ross Hotel uh, just out the road, just near, out the golf club there, and. Somebody was looking in the dressing room at the game, so where the bus is. And I remember Billy saying, shouting out, we'll, we'll take no bloody bus, we're going to walk through the town, we'll, 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 we'll see if there are any Kerry supporters around. And, uh, I, I think the Kerry supporters, I'd gone home, I think. But um, it was just one, that's how passionate he was. Like, And of course, then, you know, to be successful and to be uh, as good as he was, like, you know, players came number one to him, and uh, he always defended every player, like, and you know, done his best for every player, and uh, you know, naturally, I would have had words with him in relation to, uh, I suppose, the training initially. That I just felt like that we needed to, to, to up it a bit. Like if we were going to be able to compete against Kerry, or certainly Mead, like which I felt like we were coming on the on the, uh, coming with a with a with an express train at that time, and I knew the type of players they had. So I just felt like that that we needed to up the training a bit and, and uh, in fairness to Billy like he, he took everything on board and, and, and look our training sessions then became very uh, very competitive and I, I think you know when you look at the aspects of training now when people ask like you know did we train hard and different things we might have come in training twice a week and maybe meet the weekends but then when the training was stepped up that twice a week you went in then and you done really good quality training whereas you know I just feel now maybe they're going four and five nights a week and you just wonder, like, you know, a lot of these players can be exhausted from collective training like that and people driving to and from it. Like, and I just felt like that our training then became real quality and guys were going there. There was no chitter-chatter. You went in, you knew it was going to be a, a full-blooded affair on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And I think everybody got the best out of it. And I think that's the way the whole thing generated. And uh, I think Billy drove it on and... Uh, I think that's why the team was so successful for a long time. But you know, it's it's a it's a it's a massive tribute to both uh, Miko and to Billy that what they gave to the counties. You know, Kieran, just on, on that there, with Miko, just uh, with some of the points that Jack made. Um, the I obviously was fortunate enough to have him as a manager there in two thousand five, my first year with the Leash Seniors, and it's it's if you think about how he's went from I suppose era to era and generation to generation and still applied the same things that that Jacko said there. Like I remember, Mick all tactics wasn't it wasn't as if it was madly insane or different. But he came to Leash and he really brought a belief in players, even some older lads. We had some talented boys, some players at that stage: Joe Higgins, Tom Kelly, Paul Clancy, Fitzgerald, Chris Conway, McLaw, or loads of good players. But Hatton got the best themselves prior to this. And I think um, what Jacko said about Mick O'Dwyer just kind of instilling a belief like he could have told us to done absolutely mental stuff uh, in training and the players would have done it um, because of what he had done previously in years and because of the belief he had in the players. Um, I think like that obviously that alone managing the players in that sense has a, is a massive tribute for a manager to have. I'd say 
one thing that I'd say in the end, you mentioned about how Kerry and other players, I think probably his experience of not using a smaller squad, so maybe the 15 plus two or three more was something that came against him in the later years, I'd say, of his, of his managing career. Um, not not going to use maybe the larger sub sub bench. Um, and other teams might have been doing that. So, but like just kind of here, the point he had, uh, the belief he instilled in players was a huge attribute to have, and and something that we were fortunate to have in each for for a number of years. And also, he, um, he also he always found out he found out individuals. He found out what you would do, what you wouldn't do. Because I remember coming down from Dublin. We said I was training in Dublin with me, Holland and and I might go to Kerry for a week before the All Ireland final to train. But the first night I go down, he test me to the limit. He he'd want he'd want to break me like, and he'd test you to see could he break you, and then you know he 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 knew then that he couldn't break you, and then he'd be happy. But there was lots of great players and Kerry didn't get a chance because they wouldn't, as Colin said, they wouldn't do what he wanted you to do. They wouldn't put it in. So if you put in the work and if he got if he had faith in you. Make, you know, you were one of Miko's men, then you know what I mean. So, he, he tested your metal really, he tested every player individually. He knew exactly what they do and what they wouldn't do. And if they didn't do what he wanted, you know, he didn't want to know you. You know, there was a, there was a, great, a great far for Leash. I won't name names here, but he was coming to probably the end, end of his career in some way. And we brought back in, but we went over to Port Hampton GA Club one night and we were doing laps, just laps, laps, and laps, and laps. and I think we were going to do 40 or 50 laps and around that. And that was kind of a target set as a little bit of a, a measure. Like you said, for Mick, kind of challenging that to see if he could break it. Mm-hmm. I think after four laps, this guy was probably passed out or, or lapped twice by other players. And he continued on his lap, finished, went over to the gate, didn't tell anyone, just ran to the change room, got the bag into the car and drove off. <laughs> so that, that was, that was the, the, the challenge being broken. And a marker to say that listen, if you're not able for this, you won't be able for what's coming ahead. And you're right, he, he had a way of, of challenging players to see if they were up to the up to the measure. So yeah. it's funny that that um, that continued on from your era into into our era and yeah. into further on. I don't think the style of training ever changed. You know, he was the same thing most yeah. of the time. But he just, yeah. you know, he 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 wanted you to work and he wanted to get get the best out of yourself and. To be able to create that amongst 20 or 25 players is, is a huge asset to have, you know. So, I think Benny Morgan would be much the same. Like, he he, he made the Cockfellas believe that they could do anything that they could do if they wanted to do it. And, you know, I think that was the, that'd be the greatest asset the two of them had, you know. Yeah. I think, I think, look, I remember Glenn Ryan telling me a story about Mick when he, and he was uh, pick up from Collins by the book about the laps. Uh, I remember Glenn saying to me, you know the players are kind of dreading the 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 laps every night going the, around the post and back and whatever. You know what I mean? And like I'd always believe in that training myself because it gives you massive stamina base. You know, but yeah. but um, uh, someone said it to Miko, "Cheers, would you ever tra- change up the training a bit or do something?" And sure, he the next night then he got them to run the opposite way around. <laughs> <laughs> so those noises thing is getting away from the last Um. Larry, we'll, 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 I appreciate both yourself and Jack's time this morning. You, you've been very good with it. But I just wanted to, to, to finish up, I suppose. You, you're, it's incredible the way that Meads becomes so intrinsically linked with your own story, Larry. Obviously, look, you, you win that All-Earned Final in, in 1990. When you retire from playing and you go into management and you're there on the sideline with Cork in 1999, again, a team with a chance to um, to be, to play me in an All-Ireland final, but also a, a team, a Cork as a county going for a double again. 
I read some comments from um, Mark O'Sullivan, um, the, the former Newmarket and, and Duhalla footballer during the week about how he, he, he'll take the regrets from that game to, to his grave, that 1999 game. Your own memories of that, Larry, and, and the disappointment of, 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 Luke, of coming up short against Mead in that all iron final. Yeah, Jesus, it's amazing. Like, and, and, and like Mead seemed to be Jesus always there against me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how it was, but... I I was with Kildare and I ended up playing in two lengths of finals, uh, minor finals again. I'm at under twenty one level the same, and and then I couldn't I couldn't get away from them. Then when I came to Cork, they were still there. You know what I mean. And then when I when I became manager, then Jesus, who was in the other final again? Only Mead again. You know what I mean. So it was just, but like I'd have massive respect for all those Mead fellas. Like the look, the the the. They're tough and hard on the field. I mean, the white lines, but by God, you know what I mean. They're they're they're, they're massive people outside it, and 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 I've had massive times and and and, and fierce battles again. Them, but look, ninety nine was a was an all Ireland final that you look was there for the taking. I, I'd be wrong to say it. We kicked. I could have been seventeen or eighteen miles the same day, and you can't do that in an all Ireland final. Like we had, we had loads of possession, um, and we just we just didn't. Our forwards just didn't. Uh, do the business really when when it was really needed, and you need you need to be able to do that if you want to win another and final. And we just had that just little, I suppose that little bit of experience, like you know, Graham Garrity kicked a couple of massive points near the end of the game, yeah. and it's amazing because Sean Og Halpin was on him, and Sean Og was probably heading for man the match with eight minutes to go, and then all of a sudden, then you know, Graham kicks two wonder points from out towards the sideline, and. Um, they just had that little bit of an X factor when it really was was needed. But look, it was a major disappointment. It was a it was a game like that. Cork had the win of it, uh, but look, uh, it just didn't happen on the day. And and uh, we had enough of chances, and we can we can, we can't blame anyone else, only ourselves, really. At the end of the day, uh, lads. To finish up, I'd just like to to ask you both. Look, uh, I say we would have been looking at an All Ireland final um, this weekend. Um, and obviously, for the reasons that we all know about, that can't happen. We're hoping we'll have an All Ireland final come December, and and hopefully we we can see that out, and hopefully plans go according to plan. But look, it, it you've been great, really good with your time, but you obviously faced each other on the field of play. So I I'd like to ask you both. First of all, Jack, what Larry was like to play against, um, and coming up against him, and then Larry, the same question yourself in terms of what Jack was like to to, to play against. <laughs> So, so Jack, if I start with yourself, I think I think Larry came about ten years too late for me. Ah <laughs> 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 no, he was a phenomenal player. You know, he was. Um, what can you say? Like he was football to the core. He was a, a fantastic athlete. Very probably much more like myself. You know, he worked hard. He was uh, physically in great shape at all times. His attitude was brilliant. He was very very competitive. Um, you know, he was a winner. Uh, and I knew that, you know, from once he came to Cork and that. And as I said earlier, I think he was the he was the the king, the, the linchpin for that Cork, Cork setup at the time. But uh, a phenomenal footballer, great attitude, great person to meet off the pitch as well. And uh, we played together and won the New York Championship together. I suppose I can I can put that 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 into my into my survey here. So um, he was a fantastic person, fantastic player. Put in hard work, worked very hard, and I think got. Got what he deserved out of the game. Um, you know, players like that don't come too often. So he was one I admired, even though he was my opposition. But I think he came probably about ten years too late for me. <laughs> uh, and Larry, your uh, your recollections of of coming up against Jack on the field of play? Well, first of all, I, I just want to say it was just. Uh, I suppose it was one of my dreams that someday maybe I might be able to 
be on the same field as him and and uh, you know growing up growing up and listening to that Kerry team and I suppose Jacko changed the 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 the, the scene of, of of midfield play like he was he was such a uh, he, was, he was such an athlete in relation and a massive footballer like you know one minute he'd be in defence next minute he's in attack like and you know was, was there ever such a, a a great player like that had everything like and. Um, you know, I just admired him so much, and I, I just, you know, to to end up, you know, in in Munster finals, being alongside him and playing against him, I suppose I was, uh, I, I was so determined to try and get the better of him because I knew I was playing against the best, and um, you know, just he, he he was just a massive player, like as regards like turning the games, his fielding, his distribution, his scores. Like you know, he 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 was just he got a magnificent goal again, awfully thing in the other final, like just sweeping in on the, the end of moves like and you know back in defence like he was just a joy to watch like and uh, he was just a player like that I you know had the privilege of when I was in Kildare and I got uh, player of the year in Kildare one year and just a massive thing that Jacko was the was the man that presented it to me and and then just later on I never realised like that I'd be you know in opposition playing for Cork and, and he playing with Kerry and and then you know, I suppose you know, and Jack mentioned it there. I suppose the, the the biggest thing of all, like that, we lined out together in the New York final uh, with Donegal, like, and they were going for uh, four in a row that year. And uh, I had been involved actually with Donegal for a long number of years, been living over there, and and um, but just have I I think I was full forward, and Jack was Jack was the rover and kind of forward, and. And uh, I didn't think I don't think we done too bad at Chaco. Uh, I think we, <laughs> I, I, I think we we ended up. It was a tough game, but we ended up on the winning side. And uh, it was just a massive, massive privilege to 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 be on the same field as Chaco because I admired him so much. And um, so look, he's one of the greatest that ever played the game. There's no doubt about it. So I feel, I feel sorry for the full-back and corner-back and that team you're playing. <laughs> they were hitting for the dressing room. They hadn't seen what had been pulled at that stage, no. It's... <laughs> and, and, and look, at the other the other thing I want to just say about Jacko, like Jacko is just a, such a gentleman uh, off the field. He played the game true as a sportsman, never a foul stroke in him. And uh, he'd be always the first, you know, over to congratulate you and, uh, you know, win, lose or draw. And uh, just, just he, he had everything. And uh, just so, so just so admired to, to, to just be... On the on the same field and was a, was it was a massive massive privilege. Well, look, Larry and Jack, um, thank you very much indeed for your time. As they, we would have been honouring the the Kerry team from nineteen seventy, the Kerry team from nineteen eighty, the Cork team nineteen ninety, the Kerry team again in two thousand, and the Cork team um from twenty ten at our Legends lunch this Saturday ahead of the All Ireland final on Sunday. That can't happen at the moment, but look, we wanted to mark the, those teams and those achievements of those teams in some way. Um, and thank you very much indeed for taking the time for talking to us on The Player's Voice. No bother, thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all intercounty players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch, and supporting their development as people. So great to hear there from Kerry Great Jack O'Shea. When you think about it, Colm, the, the the list of stuff that Jack O'Shea has won, like seven All Ireland Senior Football Championship titles, ten Munster titles, three National Football Leagues, on the team of the century, um, like really one of the the top players to ever put on a jersey and a pair of boots and run out onto a Gaelic football pitch. Yeah, it's not a bad list, I suppose. Um, it's, it's it's incredible, Kieran. Like, and and it's incredible because of how he... Like, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet Jack like, oh, a few times, um, different events and stuff like that. And 
genuinely just a very humble person. You know what I mean? Like you, you wouldn't have that air about him at all, and, and just the passion for the game, the love of the game, and also the, the admiration he has for other players too, which he which he spoke about there with, um, with Larry in that conversation. So it's nice to hear that uh, a player of that of that nature, of that level, you know, um, just goes about his game normally as as an air player, but obviously so so competitive and so skillful and so driven. And the same goes for Larry who came along. I would have liked to have seen Jack make the point there about. He came 10 years too late for me. That would have been an interesting battle now with two of them in their prime, uh, the 1980 and 1990. Uh, Jacko versus Larry would have been nice to see it. So. Yeah, well, well, and, and as you say, like Larry Tompkins, one of Cork's, if not Cork's, greatest ever yeah, footballer. Uh, six Munster titles, two All-Irelands in the National Football League, three All-Stars. He also won three Cork titles with Castlehaven as well, which I know are hugely important. Um, and three monster club titles as well. Like he was a player that um really was a huge addition to Cork football, and and I say one of my all time um favorite footballers because uh, uh gr- growing up with with that team that he was part of. Um, unfortunately, we can't have our legends lunch. Um, again, we we talked about this a couple of weeks back around the hurling um weekend column, but nice to be able to to recognize these teams from the, from the past. Oh, yeah, it's important to remember players from the past who brought the game along um, occasions like the, the finals that they were and you know here in GPA we're delighted to be able to be some part of that and this podcast is just a way of doing it without being able to meet in person so it was a pleasure to talk to them guys too uh, I think we'd love to do some more of this thing going forward but um, look it's not the weekend we want but hopefully in December we'll have an hour weekend and, and we can celebrate that in our own way Super Good stuff Colin Thank you very much indeed for your company Thanks very much to you for listening to us Come back to us for the next episode of The Player's Voice.